0: Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week, we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week, we watched The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies, directed by Peter Jackson and released in 2014. The plot of the movie goes something like this. The dwarves' reclamation of Lonely Mountain sets off a violent chamber of events as the denizens of Middle Earth fight over their claims to its various treasures. Um, In this episode, we will not only be discussing the third Hobbit film, but also all of the Lord of the Rings and Hobbit films that exist. Well, not all of them, not the animated one,
1: but you know, all of the, the Peter, Peter Jackson, Jackson ones. <laughs> because you can't really do one without the other. And as if you're a listener of this show, you probably already know, the Lord of the Rings is one big movie, <laughs> although it was released as three movies. And I think it's probably most useful to look at the Hobbit the same way. Even though yeah. we've seen them separately.
0: Um, I actually watched all of the Lord of the Rings and Hobbit films um, leading up to this. Mm. Um, mostly because the end of the Hobbit, the Battle of the Five Armies, makes you want to watch Lord of the Rings again. Which is what I did too. But not necessarily in a good way. It makes you want to watch Lord of the Rings in a, I want to go watch
1: Lord of the Rings because they were better way. <laughs> yeah. Um, a- so, and yeah. I watched it with Jelly, who'd never watched the Lord of the Rings. So he was actually watching in chronolog- chronological order. So, immediately we finished The Hobbit, we were able to watch all the others, so we just kind of marathoned them. Excellent. Well, that is the best way to do it. But I haven't seen the first two Hobbits since they came out, but I think I have okay memory of them. I did. I watched the first two last night and and this
0: morning, and... um I mean, watched is kind of a strong word for what I did, which is to sort of put them on and then do other things <laughs> while they were on. Mm. Um, I mean, I sort of did that with the Lord of the Rings ones as well because I was watching with my sister when I was visiting and we were kind of on our phones and, you know, mm. hanging out oh, yeah, and stuff I did a bit of that with Lord of the Rings on. But the thing is… I kept stopping doing other things to watch Lord of the Rings Me too. and to talk to my sister about Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And I didn't keep stopping watching The Hobbit to do other things apart from in two scenes, which has led to my assumption assertion that The Hobbit has two good scenes in three movies. Mm, is it Smaug? Smaug and, and Gollum. Yeah, those are the two good scenes in the three Hobbit movies. And are they both? There's in the riddles, riddles in the
1: dark. Oh no, the riddles in the dark in the first movie. Yeah,
0: yeah. riddles in the dark is the end of the first movie, mm. and like Gollum just kind of suddenly comes in and brings the movie to life, mm-hmm. like it was sleepwalking before that. Yeah, and then Smaug is the end of the second movie, and the conversation is better than the battle, but the battle that follows it is pretty cool as well because Smaug looks cool, mm. um, but. Cool. And sounds cool, yes. It's Benedict Cumberbatch. So those two moments were the only two moments where I actually stopped and watched the whole scene. Mm. There are other little bits that I think are good scenes, but they're not like
1: great show-stopping scenes. Do you know that what you I have think to watch? The best bit about the Hobbit movies is, is when they just stick to telling the story of the Hobbit. Which is you know riddles in the dark does the Smaug stuff? I
0: really disagree with that actually. Apart from those two things, because I think aside from those scenes, the best thing in the Lord of the Rings movie, I mean the Hobbit movies, is the uh, the elves. Mm. And the elves weren't in or oh, right.
1: like Tauriel, my favourite.
0: Toriel and mm. Thranduil, and to Legolas. a lesser extent Legolas. Although yeah. Legolas was all right in the third movie, but that was balanced out by Tauriel damseling through the whole thing. So uh, the um. Lee Pace's thrandule is brilliant. Oh,
1: my God. Um, he's he's so – In when he rocks up in the third movie on his big moose – It's an elk. An elk. I'm sorry. Whatever. Giant thing with antlers. Oh, my God. He's just perfect.
0: I know. He's so wonderful. I love him so much. But also, um, there's a scene that I'd actually forgotten in the second movie where he shows Thorin that his
1: face was scarred yeah. by the um, – some battle he'd been in. I can't remember what it's called. Dragonfire. So we, ta- when we reviewed that, uh, the Desolation of Smaug last year, in the holiday episode, we actually talked about that as being one of the highlights of that movie. Yeah,
0: that was a moment when I, a moment when I had to stop and watch, and also when Thranduil is talking to that orc that Legolas brings. But basically, anytime Thranduel's on screen i was watching Mm. which was you know not the case with like the nine comic relief dwarves and then the three whose names we know and that guy with the white beard
1: yeah that's and that was probably that was again this is something we discussed when we reviewed the second one they don't make any effort to characterize the dwarves they do the famous ones they do a little bit in
0: the first one with jimmy nesbitt dwarf who gets to he gets a cute little scene with bilbo in the first one Hmm. they kind of have their own little moments occasionally in the first one. Is it Balin but they also with the have, white
1: beard? He I, I
0: think so. Yeah, white, Balin he, and Dwalin are those two, yeah, him yeah. and the Russian bald one. Right. So the white beard guy gets the of characterisation, yeah. Yeah, because he's the old wise, you know, mentor type dude.
1: Yeah, which really doesn't go with Balin's characterisation in the first Lord of the Rings. It because, does. Well, he's, he's kind of. Oh, in the he- first Lord of the Rings, yeah. So in Sorry, the first Lord I of the, the Rings, the first Hobbit, he's under the mines. Of- he's the king under the mines, in uh, King under Moria. Yeah, and and so the characterization. I mean, he's he's died, and that's very sad, and all that, and Gimli's really upset about it. But the implication is that he's just as greedy as all the others. Whereas in the Hobbit, he seems to be kind of the wise old one. Um.
0: Well, I mean, I- in comparison, I suppose. Yeah. But I think it's more of a general dwarf problem than a oh, uh, avarice and yeah. capitalism yeah uh, yeah that seems to be more of a, a dwarf mm. issue like he knows that thorin's gone too far but that's mostly because thorin is threatening to throw people off cliffs yeah. and like yeah. screaming at everybody and right i mean he's obviously gone too far like he's obviously gone crazy yeah. whereas like going oh we can do- dig a little bit deeper is not quite the same thing i think mm. um and they didn't know what was there either no. whereas thorin was going into the same thing that thorin thorin son of thor son of thrain or son of thrain son of thor i can't remember which one's which um his grandfather yes um yep. had the same problem so so richard armitage was good in the third hobbit movie i thought mm. he did the whole journey into madness thing pretty well apart from that stupid gold sea scene mm. which was so unnecessary
1: yeah yeah,
0: I mean, I know it was his big moment of, you know, epiphany, but, mm. like, did we really need to see all of that molten gold? It was like they went, oh, it was so cool in the second movie when we put the molten gold in. Well, let's do it again. Yeah. It doesn't really work. And the other scene that I don't really think worked is when Thorin is talking to Bilbo about um, how somebody, one of his companies, betrayed him. Yeah, yeah. And for some reason they slow down, like the the dialogue goes into slow-mo. mm Like, when Thorne is talking, it's in slow motion. And I was like, why? Do you really need to pad this movie out? You know, it's already going to be a long movie. You don't need to slow this down. We get what he's saying. Mm -hmm. And we get that he's gone crazy. It was awful and long and painful. Mm. Also, the way that it was shot was really weird because he moved back and you didn't know what was going on and then people walked between them. But it was all in slow-mo, so it was a really long time between all that was happening. So you're like, I don't know what's going on. Mm. Yeah. It was so weird. Yeah. And, like, you know, one of the great things about the Hobbit movies is Martin Freeman Mm -hmm. as Bilbo, who has been perfect since his first meeting with Gandalf, which is just
1: adorable, by the way. He's so right for the character.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And they don't really capitalize on that either. Nope. Like Bilbo was just sort of there. I mean, he he gets one kind of heroic moment, and then the rest of the movie he's just kind of there, mm. so that he can weep over his boyfriend dying. Basically, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, if nothing else, this, this series is
1: definitely a love story between Thorin and Bilbo. Oh yeah, the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit movies are so homoerotic. There's so many, mm, so much man love because there's no women, right? <laughs>
0: Yeah, but also Thorin and Bilbo were really, really like, oh, you betrayed me, and it's all about being betrayed, and I forgive you, and I wish more people were like you, and then Mm. Thorin Mm. dies, and Bilbo's like sobbing over his body, and oh my god. And then he says the eagles are coming, and you're like, Pippin did it better. (laughs) I I don't like that they reused that line, that annoyed me. Because it's full of these things that are, like, trying to remind you that this is part of the Lord of the Rings world, and they shouldn't have to do that. And there's also, like, Azog, as much as I like Manu Bennett, and as much as he tried, he's not a match for Sauron and, like, the original villains Mm. from the original series, you know? Like, he's just not that scary, No. Especially since he's L C G along with Billy Connolly for some stupid reason. Billy yeah. Connolly shows up in this as a dwarf with a fake face.
1: Yeah, you can hear that it's Billy Connolly. Yeah, before he but that's they, they play on that. Yeah, you you hear him coming before you see him and then you kinda look at him and you're like, who what if Yeah, nobody they they did that so that you would recognise who it was because once you look at his face, you're like, I don't know who that Do you is. You know, I think that's a problem with the dwarves in general, is that there's so much over their faces. Like, well, I guess that's why the three dwarves, pretty dwarves don't have stuff yeah, all over their faces. Yeah, because I, like, it's completely consistent that dwarves need to have beards and things like that, but you could recognize John, John Rhys-Davies mm. in the first series when he was Gimli. Like, he had his big red beard and stuff, but it was... All of his eye area and stuff was normal, but they've all got so many big fake noses and eyes and eyebrows and just crap all over their faces that I think it's part of the reason it's so hard to characterize them all. Well, they're cartoon
0: characters essentially. Yeah. The other dwarves—they're—they're they're funny, bumbling cartoon characters that, like, uh, and then when it comes to them actually battling, you don't believe any of it.
1: Yeah, and I think that's kind of a des- disservice because we we're talking before about. The, how the characteristics of dwarves and dwarves are really proud. Mm. Like it's really important to dwarves to maintain face and to. I think they've got a, like a bit of a because they're shorter and smaller than everybody else. They're used to being underestimated, and so they are very, very. They have little man syndrome. Yeah, uh, I was trying not to say that, um, but yeah, they have. A, yeah, they have little man syndrome. Like they don't want to be treated by as just little men by the men. They. Or uh, the elves, or especially. the elves, especially. I mean, the elves
0: and the dwarves just, just hate them. each other so yeah, much, and, so and th- it's so funny. Yeah. I know it's supposed to be a point of drama, but it's so f- it's so funny. Mm. It's funny when Thranduil and Thorin are th- throwing tantrums like babies. Mm. You know, like it's not when when Bard the Bowman comes to talk mm. to Thorin, and Thorin walks up to this little gap, and he's like, "I am listening," and you're like, "Are you kidding me?" And that's not supposed to be funny, and everybody in the cinema laughed. Mm. Right? Like, he's he's acting like a three-year-old throwing a tantrum. Yeah. Like, it's
1: ridiculous. But what you were talking about with the saving
0: face and the yeah. looking so, crowd. So, it
1: doesn't it, – it, that's why making them into cartoon characters feels a bit off for dwarves because that's not what dwarves are like.
0: I know. But, I mean, Gimli was usually the comic release in, yeah. relief in the Lord of the Rings series, but also – He had a lot of dignity, though. I know. But there's also the fact that I think a lot of the reason that they're so into their hair and their – Appearance is because of that pride as well. Elves uh, have the same thing, right? right? The plaits in the beard, yeah. All like, the pl- bla- braids in the beard, yeah. and the beard, and the guy with the three pointed hair, and yeah. like this is, and and um, Thorin's grandfather as well had all these decorations in his beard and the, and the gold and things. yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's
1: that's all part of like presentation. their presentation as uh, what they want to be seen right. as. Yeah, it's, it's a bit like the elves in, when they they're in battle formation, they're quite. F- um, flamboyant <laughs> Flouncy? Yes I thought
0: you were going to I was, say I flouncy I was waving
1: my hand around No, I was going for flamboyant But I was, couldn't remember the word flamboyant Just for a second there Yeah, but they are super flouncy anyway Yeah, they do They do. all oh, kind of flounce, flounce out of the way And in then their, flounce back into formation Especially Thranduil in his big long robes <laughs> and, I love Thranduil oh. And like Legolas always But then compared to all the other elves Legolas is like, you know, so different Especially by the time we get to Lord of the Rings
0: well, I mean, Legolas is is pretty anti dwarves in Lord of the Rings. Also, watching them.
1: Oh, he is. I'm he, sorry. I mean, he's less flouncy. Oh yes, he is a bit flouncy, but he's much like when you look at his father and you look at him, and he's kind of like he, he makes him seem fairly simple. Well, comparison. yes, I suppose so. But also, you
0: <laughs> there's there's this huge, huge difference in the two Orlando Blooms <laughs> in mm-hmm. the in the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. Man, like not just that he looks older because mm. he does look older yeah like you can't stop 10 years of aging from happening but also the fact that um he has learned a lot about acting between lord of the rings and the <laughs> i know he's gotten so much better isn't he great he has he's gotten so much better and so like watch going back and watching lord of the rings and he's standing in the background making faces <laughs> and that's basically
1: all he does but and I every think, so yeah. often he delivers a line really flatly <laughs> A diversion. A diversion, yeah. Um, do you, I think he was just, like, he was straight out of school or drama school when he went yeah, to Lord of the Rings. Like, he was 20, a baby. 21, something like that. Yeah. He he was
0: the same age we were when Lord of the Rings came out. Uh, he, no, Elijah Wood was the same age that I was when the movies came out, because he no. turned 18 filming the first one. No, Elijah Wood was born in 1980.
1: So, no, he's not the same age as you. He
0: he No, no, he would be, like, he was... He
1: turned eighteen while they filmed the first one, yeah, right? Yeah. So Orlando well, it must Bloom must be nineteen eighty one then. But he's he's like a little bit older than me. But Orlando Bloom is kind of the same age, but a little bit older, maybe by a couple. He's of a little years. bit like older done, because he got he was out of drama school, yeah. or yeah. And Elijah Wood he, he t- turned
0: eighteen when they started filming, right? Like he had his eighteenth birthday in the Shire, in that place where they bump into Mary and Pippin mm. in the farm. Right. That's when he had his 18th birthday. Oh. He was an infant. And he
1: did – he looks like a baby as well. Yeah.
0: Oh. Um. So, he was genuinely just very, very young at that mm. point. And, like, the hobbits in The Lord of the Rings, their ages were the opposite way around
1: from the books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sam was older and Merry um, and Pippin were older again, I think. Is that right? No. Dom's younger than Sam – Sean,
0: Dom's younger than Sean. Billy's the oldest, and then yeah. Sean, then Dom, and then Elijah. And then... Proto, yeah. But so, it but it's works the it's for the exact di- opposite yeah. of what the books. But are. it
1: actually works for the dynamic. Oh yeah, it works. between them, it works so much better that they are all older than him, but also that the way Mary and Pippen are as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I have no complaints about the
0: ages. I just thought it was interesting. Yep, yep. But there's also the fact that Tolkien doesn't really describe anybody. <laughs> Mm. He takes mm, ages to describe a hill, but he d- can't describe a
1: character. Tolkien's also, I noticed, because I picked up the books while we were watching them, and I just didn't really read them, but I just looked at the chapter order, and his storytelling's not great. No, like, I know. I've said cuts, that many times. He he just, everything happens in blocks. Like in the th- mm-hmm. second book, we have like half a book of the We get to Helm's Deep at about chapter ten, so halfway through, like about a quarter of the way through the book, we get to Helm's Deep, and then we have all this other stuff. The Gondor and Rohan stuff plays out, and then we go and see what Frodo and Sam were up to Mm -hmm. in Mord. Like it's so stupid, and Peter Jackson has just he splices it all together, and he shows you because everything's happening at the same time, and he shows you how it all fits together, and it's so much more dynamic. So Tolkien's storytelling is not that great, although The Hobbit is is a lot tighter as a story. Well, time
0: movement was also a problem in in the original books, Lord of the Rings books, because like oh, it's years, years,
1: and years. And years, yeah,
0: it's years between when things happen. Yeah, and, um, and
1: the movies condense all that down into whatever it is, thirteen months.
0: Yeah, exactly. So that's that's nice because it's it's a lot less uh, difficult to try and work out what's happening mm. when. Um, I don't know. I I think Lord of the Rings. There's something about there's like a magic to Lord of the Rings. Mm. That comes from, I think, a cast that was really, really close knit and going on this adventure together and, um, a, a group of people who, from like the very bottom up to the very top, all really, really cared about what they were doing and wanted to create Middle Earth. And wanted to create it well. Um, so you get like people making chainmail by hand for months and people, you know, doing tiny little details in all the hair and stuff. And, and then the little changes to script would come on the day that they were filming because they were still perfecting the script on the day they were filming. And like they would make Middle earth and then they would augment it with CGI. But it seems like in the Hobbit, they made Middle earth with CGI and aug- augmented it with New Zealand. <laughs> Mm. In some ways, like it doesn't seem as real or as as um yep or as magical either. Like the yeah. the
1: cast kind of connections weren't there, and and I it, and for a second there, I was like, I wonder if it's because I have such a connection to these movies because I just fell so in love with them, and they were sort of my introduction to nerd world and all that kind of stuff. They weren't really. I was sort of into it a little bit earlier than that, but they were when I really really fully nerded out for the first time and i wonder if it was just me but watching them again and even watching them with jelly who didn't have that connection you really really see the journey that they go on through the movies and it's Mm -hmm. you feel it like you i I can't watch them again i want to watch them again but part of me is like i'm not sure i'm ready to physically go through that again with them all because it's such a like such a journey and it's so life-changing for everyone involved but it was also life-changing for them off screen and you can see that happen Mm. and then by the time you get to the the three endings they're all you feel like you've earned them Mm. and they're just and it just it wraps up perfectly with Frodo going off to the Grey Havens and it's just like it feels really complete and Mm -hmm. really perfect yeah and yeah I mean
0: and the problem with The Hobbit was that you kind of lose track of it being Bilbo's story because it never really was. He's just sort of along for the ride. And there's not, like, really, more than anybody, I think, the whole of The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings is Gandalf's story. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Gandalf starts out as, like, this, you know, meddling wizard who accidentally starts a war and then has to fix everything. And then by the end of the third Lord of the Rings movie, he's finally able to go because he's like completed this fight against Sauron basically Mm. and he sets everything into motion I mean if anybody is the protagonist of the entire six
1: movies it's Gandalf Mm -hmm. but it it does Lord of the Rings does always feel like photos even there's some really distracting flamboyant side characters who are really interesting and you go into their stories for a bit and it's great but it really, do- you do always come back to Frodo. Mm. But you're right; it it's sort of like Bilbo just pops in and out every now and then. And, and especially as we wrap up the, the story of the Hobbit, before the credits even roll in the third movie, like we destroy, defeat the dragon, and they, the dragon attacks Lake Town, and they defeat the dragon. Bard the Bowman defeats the dragon. Yeah, the major conflict
0: of the of resolved. the movies is resolved
1: that um, point. And so then we go on to the conflict with the dwarves. And Smaug is out of the picture so fast. Yes. <laughs> ah. We've
0: been building up to Smaug for two movies. He was so great in the end of the second one. And then he, one, and then the he flies around a bit and he, I mean, he gets a couple of good lines in, but that's it. There's no real, like... Mm. big moments for him and then he's gone and then we and then we have to keep story. watching bard for the next two hours even though his whole point is finished yeah like done. and then we have to keep watching that stupid stephen fry sidekick character not oh, stephen fry but ugh. stephen fry's yes. sidekick the,
1: oh my god that light ew he was gross yes and he awful was- and just unnecessary
0: yeah, and, and like Bard and his kids and how he has two daughters that do nothing
1: and a son that goes off adventuring with his dad. And um, after bringing in Toriel in the second movie making her awesome, they just completely throw her under the bus in the third movie.
0: Yeah, she starts out great. She's getting people out of Lake Town and she's mm. doing stuff, which reminds me, I saw Katie Jackson in Lake Town. Yes, yes. In a cameo. Um, Yeah, so she's helping people out of Lake Town and she's telling them what to do and all that sort of stuff. And then Legas is like, okay, off we go. And she's like. Okay. And then from that point on, she never gets to do anything again. And then they
1: try and engineer this fake love triangle between her and Legolas. And... Well, that was in the f- in the second yeah. one as well. Yes, but it's just like it, – but, but because there's nothing else for her to do in this movie, it suddenly gets made all about the fake love triangle. Yeah, exactly. The second one was more Ugh. about uh, her standing
0: up to her people. Mm. And this one is about her fawning over Keely while Legolas fawns over her. Yeah,
1: and um, there's a real – it's. There was a really interesting story in there in the second one about her. She's, because she's got the red hair, she's a different type of dwarf. Uh, sorry, different type of elf. She's yeah. a silver elf. Yeah. And so, like, she's kind of this outsider who's worked her way up to be the captain of the guard for Thranduil. And there's this really interesting story in there about her and her backstory. But we kind of go nowhere with it. No, well, I don't see why she doesn't get the boss battle that Legolas gets. Mm. Why does
0: Legolas get the boss battle while Tariel is knocked out? Like, that's terrible writing. And Bilbo gets knocked out, so he's out, so Mm. he doesn't do anything. And then Philly and Killy's deaths are so preventable. Yeah. And Bilbo goes running up there to warn them and save them, Mm. and he ends up not doing anything. Like, they don't listen to him anyway, so it's
1: totally pointless, his big moment in the battle. and, And Bilbo's been removed, like... I'm pretty sure in the movie, in the sorry, in the book, Bilbo and the dwarves and the Lake Town villagers all have to work together to kill the dragon. It's not just um, Bard the Bowman who's doing the whole thing.
0: I really don't remember. I know the battles are not nearly
1: I, as I detailed feel, in the books yeah. as they are in I the movies. I get that they're not, but I do remember a real element of teamwork. About like it took them some time to solve the problem of realizing that you needed to take the the dragon in his, like, vulnerable spot.
0: Yeah, but they already told us that in the yeah. second one. Uh, but <laughs> Bard but, definitely knew that in the second one. Yeah,
1: yeah, he did. But there was no, like, working together of the dwarves and, no, and, because and, they were, and uh, Bilbo in helping him do it. It was just Bard's, like, destroying How is How was he going to get there? But, yeah, it meant that, like, Bilbo had a story involving him and Smaug and the sparkles in the, in, the, in the cave, that was actually really well done and really uh, and really good. Oh, you mean the Arkenstone, the Arkenstone that was the heart of the mountain, the oh, Arkenstone yeah, yeah, yeah. that the was MacGuffin. all the power,
0: the Arkenstone that was completely dropped. Who has the Arkenstone the Arken- at the end MacGuffin. of this movie? Who has it? Nobody A- knows we... who has it at the yeah. end of this movie because nobody cares who has it's it at the end relevant. of this movie. It no longer has any purpose, yeah. so it's just not there anymore. I mean, it might
1: be relevant. Oh, my it's... God. Anyway. What
0: happens to the people of Lake Town at the end of this movie? Yeah,
1: what yeah, happens like, to yeah, the people already- of Stuck in a in another city near the mountain. Do the elves get their pretty sparklies that they want? Like, all of the plot that
0: leads up to this is just dropped there's no what happened to those big worm things that ate through the mountain they were just like the advance guard of the um, that army yeah but there's this whole thing about how scary they look and it's so doomy and then they just go away and we never like, see them again And we never see them again exactly like you can't keep building things up and then going and we're done with that and we're done with that they drop Beorn on the eagles come mm. like you know of and course. so everything's over because <laughs> the eagles are there um, the deus ex Machina are there, and then they drop Bayorn on them, mm. on the orcs, and Bayorn just sort of goes through, but there's no kind of actual, like, getting to see Bayorn fight or any of that sort of thing, and he's only there as, like, lip service to him being in the battle, I think. Well, even the battle itself is kind of lame. It's super lame. It's just, There's like- a couple of really good moments, like the-, the orc that headbutts the wall at Lake Town, mm. and, like... It- Oh, no, cave troll. It headbutts yeah, yeah, the wall yeah, yeah. and then yep. kind of falls down and stuff like that. Uh, mm. But that feels kind of like a ripoff of the um, the Olympic torch guy from the de- from Helm's Deep in yeah, Two yeah, Towers yeah. who comes up and does the gunpowder bit. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, nothing feels original or... Well, the fight between Thorin and Azog felt original, but I don't know how good that was.
1: <laughs> that was a good fight, actually, on the ice.
0: <laughs> yeah, but a couple of moments it felt kind of cartoony. Mm. Like... You know, they felt a bit silly, and and other times it kind of worked. There was one with Legolas on the bridge as well. That <laughs> was more cartoony.
1: Yes, there was. Yes, that's what I was going for there. That was far more cartoony.
0: Also, who are the Hobbit movies for? Uh, what age group are they for? Because when they start out, they seem like they're for little kids. Like there's all this singing and the dwarves throwing. Pots and funny and pans to each and, yeah. other and being funny and falling over and,
1: and there's all these like kid-friendly jokes. And now you raise a really good point because the Hobbit was like this kid book that was written – that Tolkien wrote that was written for his kids, I think. Like he, he started with the Hobbit but by the time he – but this is interspersed with the Silmarillion – which is really – it was written like after Lord of the Rings because it's all the sort of extraneous material and, you know, it kind of tries to fill in the story in between The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. But that is f- the full-on adult Lord of the Rings style mythology. Yeah. Whereas the Hobbit stuff, the singing, the eating, the hanging the, – the dwarves being uncouth and – the comic relief stuff, that's from The Hobbit, which is a kid's book. And so they're trying to meld this kid stuff. And even like, um, although they do bring in um, Radagast, who's very, I think is a kind of a kid-friendly. Yeah, I was going to bring him up as yeah, well. He, uh, with his animals and his bird poo.
0: Like that. that and, and he has a, a thick insect in his mouth. In the first movie, like yeah. he comes up to Gandalf and he's like, "Oh, I have something on the tip of the, my tongue.
1: I was just going to say it. Oh wait, it's not a thought. It's a stick insect." Yeah, like that's all yeah. little kid stuff. He's right? very, very kid friendly. I mean, he's he, yeah. There's no, it's, it's no sort of accident that he's played by a former Doctor Who. Yeah, right? he is. He's really kid friendly, and it like, and they start off being sort of kiddie movies, and that's fine because The Hobbit is a kid's book and it's meant to be. But I don't. I think by the time you're getting to a you know a five-way battle and k- killing the big boss battle killing the dragon like that's well killing Philly killing Thorin Yeah, um, killing and, way, and yeah, killing Thorin mates. in a really
0: really bloody way mm-hmm. um the the fights are not But even the fight, the goblin fight in the first one has heads flying everywhere. Yeah, so it kind of, like. Yeah, that's right. So it's sort of. Who is it for? And it gets really scary too, especially, and this is a problem that's always going to be there. But Gollum is not Yeah, Riddles in the Dark. (laughs) He is, like, we first see Gollum and he's savagely beating an orc to death. Yeah. um, That's his introduction. Like, he's not somebody that you want to expose little kids
1: to. Bilbo's not a nice person. He's a burglar. Like he, he's not meant to be a nice person not really he's meant true. to be he, but yes he's not meant to be a nice person though like he's 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 grumpy and he's self-focused and he yeah but he learned
0: i mean his journey yeah. is going from grumpy and self-focused to being more open to others and helping others and things i mean i don't think that he's necessarily but a he bad remains, protagonist no no
1: but he he also he remains very sneaky and yeah, but he but some of
0: those like those are some of the things that he does. are, are life skills, <laughs> like you know, when he's talking to Gollum and he's trying to save himself, he uses his wits to save himself.
1: And the same that's not now. a bad thing
0: to like. Yeah. You know, I don't. I I actually don't agree with the concept that you should never ever lie. Like clearly, those were situations in which. Lying was very helpful to him mm. and something that kept him alive. He could not take on Gollum or Smaug. Yep. Like, he's this big. And, I mean, Gollum's little too, but Gollum is a f- vicious little fucker. Like, he will he, – he he does. He's he's so unpredictable and scary and he will just attack you with the, mm. no notice mm-hmm. and and yet so pitiable. And, I mean, Gollum is just amazing. Actually, there is – I could go on about Gollum for the whole episode. I did episode. notice
1: quite excellent continuity of character between Hobbit Bilbo and Lord of the Rings Bilbo. It actually, it, he, you really see him and and him him being his Bilbo himself. Yeah, I
0: think part of that is Martin Freeman actually taking cues from Ian Holmes' mm. portrayal of Bilbo yeah. and then kind of amping it up a little bit, like because he's younger and sprightlier and more full
1: of piss and vinegar. Exactly. So, and and I, th- Martin Fre, it helps that Martin Freeman is kind of full of piss and vinegar, like that's him. <laughs> yeah, and and he, it, it's sort of, it's really funny watching him go from like when he was in early in his career he was always playing like these kind of friendly little people like he's arthur dent but in recent years more of his personality keeps coming through in Mm. his characters and so he starts to play these characters who arthur was pretty snarky too Really, yeah yeah he he, that this is his skill right he plays these characters who seem all like nice and friendly but he's just got this natural sort of snark and cynicism about him because he has a hobbity face yeah it just works he's (laughs) perfect yeah
0: i mean no he is he's he's so good and that first scene with gandalf where he's just so he's so rude to gandalf but it's so he does it so well and all his little like mannerisms that he does Mm. and little faces he pulls and the pauses and all that sort of stuff it's really really good like Mm. bilbo's a great but i think Bilbo's a great character because he starts out like that and then he kind of learns to love the dwarves for who they are and he tries to keep peace and he stops being quite so self-centered but he's still kind of himself which is important well yeah yeah but he becomes the hobbit that knows about the larger world and and Mm. has respect for elves Mm. and has respect for dwarves and other hobbits don't Mm. you know so that's an interesting kind of when he has to go back to that Mm. um that's why he becomes this outsider i also have this whole thing about how it's all all about bilbo being gay Mm. um because bilbo was in love with thorin Mm-hmm. obviously, yep. and Bilbo never marries when yep. he comes back. And Bilbo is this outsider because, you know, he sees the world in a way that nobody else does and he's all that traveled. sort of stuff. And he's got his, this gay nephew. He's got a relationship gay with
1: Elrond.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, with Frodo and, and he, you know, mentors Frodo and Frodo is also an outsider and mm. he feels different to everybody else. I mean, it's just, it's there, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, you don't have to dig too hard to find no. gay subtext. But
0: I mean he was so of- there's this there's this moment when they ask uh, he's got he shows the um the contract mm. at the end of the movie to um another hobbit who's selling all this junk mm-hmm. and the hobbit's like who's thorin and there's this pause that lasts like 5 minutes yeah. and then he goes he was my friend <laughs> totally <laughs> my friend not mm. my boyfriend at all
1: and you're like uh-huh uh-huh sure Mm -hmm. yep that sounds legit the only way that conversation happened where um they had where he's like i've been betrayed by one of my team and he doesn't even suspect bilbo i know because that they were together (laughs) well he doesn't even suspect bilbo and bilbo's the only one who's not a dwarf i mean come on yeah but also there's this shot at the
0: very end of the third movie of bilbo's handkerchief and he picks it up and he looks at it i was like huh it's just a reminder of home it didn't Click, And then I watch the first one again, and he co- when he comes he, he and joins the dwarves, he's like, oh, I, we have to go back. We have to forget, go back. I forgot my handkerchief.
1: Oh, and Thorin <sighs> gives him one. So clearly that's a nod to
0: the people oh, who are... Yeah, I know, right? That's
1: so cute.
0: <laughs> I know. It's so, so romantic, though. Like, it's such a little romantic moment. Yeah. And it's so, there's so much of that. The fan fiction writes itself. It, it's not... Yeah. It's, it's rapidly becoming text. <laughs> Yeah, Um, yeah. subtext. Well, I mean, that's a
1: bit like in the Lord of the Rings itself.
0: Yeah, I mean this this movie is just (laughs) the third movie is it doesn't have any of those big conversations. It doesn't have a big moment in it that you can point to and go, "This was the good thing." I mean, Cliche Mountain was so boring. Mm. um the you know right next to lonely mountain there's cliche mountain where everything that you already knew was going to happen happens Mm. um you five minutes before bilbo comes running up and says it's going to be a trap you're like it's obviously a trap guys it's really clearly a trap what are you doing usually intelligent characters become morons um philly and killy get dead for no good reason because they're normally intelligent characters being morons Tariel gets knocked out of the fight in five minutes, and then Legolas has to finish her battle for her and save her life, and Philly has to save her, and no, Killy has to save (laughs) her, whatever. But like, all of that stuff, and then Thorin and Azog finally, you know, kill each other,
1: Mm.
0: and just the eagles are coming bit, but there's other lines, even the lines are just really predictable, Mm -hmm. like, once somebody will say something and I'll say the next line. Yeah, yeah. And before it happens, you know yeah. that sort of thing. Ugh, just so disappointing. But even with that, I still liked going because I would. There's nowhere I would rather spend three hours in the cinema than Middle, Middle Earth. Earth,
1: yeah. And I've, I, I'm with you. And I think I'm gonna. I'm trying. I'm trying to rate the final film. Ba- like it's hard to kind of rate the movie and then not rate it based on all three of them. But like you say, it's the world building. It's actually hanging out with these people again. Yeah, exactly. It's really exciting. I
0: know. And it's, it's – but the thing is they, they're so kind of – they're kind of drawing
1: that sentimentality out of you. Yeah, which is the whole reason they were able to make three films because they which just is got it. They have people like us who will turn up and spend the money. I
0: know. It's so unfair. But then I've heard similar complaints about things like, you know, the, like there's this whole trend in the YA novels about where they split the last one into two movies. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. Which has been stupid up until Mockingjay when it actually worked.
1: Yeah, well, but, so far but it didn't make any sense in Harry Potter. It didn't make any sense in Twilight. Twilight I think is the other one I haven't that did seen. It. But it's a, there's a bunch of them, and yeah. it's ridiculous. It is. It's ridiculous,
0: and it's. It. I mean, the fifth Harry Potter book is longer than the seventh. There's no mm. reason to split the seventh. Yeah. So you know, splitting the Hobbit into three movies is just
1: so dragged out. It would have been better to make the Hobbit and to make the Silmarillion or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I think that would have made more sense if, uh, I mean, you might have had to rework it a bit. But if you made the Hob- made the Hobbit just a straight Hobbit movie about the Hobbit, the story, and then you do a a more the more adult movie where they take on and it's just, you know the Hobbit fights the dragon, then we do the Silmarillion where you you t- where we bridge from the end of the Hobbit to the Lord of the Rings, and I think that's actually part of the problem of this movie, is that there were t- too many too many things that they had to shoehorn in so that they could bridge. To the next movie but then they didn't end it hmm. like they i mean
0: people complain about lord of the rings having too many endings the hobbit doesn't have one a- and there's certain there's still
1: gaps like jelly's still complaining about how saruman
0: doesn't have a proper arc well the last time we see saruman he's off to um find to um finds, mordor isn't he yeah yeah to, yeah which is obviously where he finds the palantir yeah, yeah.
1: they just they just don't finish that is all
0: yeah i know i mean they i mean, but i mean basically all you need to do is show him finding the palantir and then <laughs> the whole journey is done basically because the palantir is is yeah. what turns him evil essentially um yeah i mean it's i don't know it's hard to rate because like when i first watched it when i came out of first watching it I actually rated it higher and then i've dropped my ratings since i saw it because it's it's it still inst- it instills in you this kind of spirit of middle earth where you're yeah. like oh, middle earth and i liked that song at the end and it was billy boyd and he was saying goodbye to us and yeah. like all this stuff is happening you know and mm. i watched the credits and i was like i know all of those names of mm. like random crew members and things and it just it, it makes you like it's it's playing on everything that i loved about lord of the rings and you were talking before about how lord of the rings was one of your biggest fandoms like i was huge into lord of the Rings. you were into
1: it way more than me but it was my first I know. fandom yeah
0: But I'm just talking about how much it means to me. I I was sort of carrying on from what you – like I I was (laughs) – insanely huge into lord of the rings Mm. i mean um i saw all of them at the movies three times and and i had pictures (laughs) so many pictures of everybody at every single event especially Um, dom especially dom i had but everybody i mean Mm. just piles and piles and piles of them Mm -hmm. i can still look at one of them in an outfit and tell you which premiere it's from Mm -hmm. i had um like i was crazy into lord of the rings um you went, yeah. You went to all the conventions. I you, went to conventions. You, unlike me, have watched the extended edition. I've watched. Not only have I watched the extended editions, I've watched every minute of behind-the-scenes footage. Every minute, every there is extra- more behind-the-scenes footage than there is movie. <laughs> I've seen more extras on the DVDs than Lord of the Rings movies. I know everything about every single scene that they made. Uh-huh. Like it's crazy, and. And, you know, the, the um, while we were watching it, Claire and I kept talking about the, I don't know if you've seen this, but the Dominic Monaghan interview with Elijah Wood, where he yeah, pretends yeah, yeah. to be a German interviewer. I've seen that one, yet. Yeah. yeah. And like, we were watching it, we watched Elijah Wood and we would be like, oh, your big blue eyes, they're big blue, <laughs> <laughs> like things like this. <laughs> when uh, will you wear wigs and things like that? Uh, like, but his eyes, man, yeah. they take up most of his
1: face. Oh, my god, He's gosh. unnatural. Especially, yeah, especially God at the beginning when he's a baby and he's so big. Well, at the end of the second movie, um, when he
0: goes all creepy, mm. there's mm. a shot of him from above and it really is like his more eyes than face. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love that bit when they're in um, Osgiliath and the, the um, Felbeast. I love Felbeast. Mm. And the Felbeast comes up and tries to take the ring and – uh anyway, I could wax lyrical about my love for Lord of the Rings for a really long time the yep. music the music and the 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 art that they show at the end of it, which is John Howe and Alan Lee and all of their beautiful illustrations and yeah anyway um mm. like i i really um I just don't i'm just so sad that you didn't get that with the Hobbit. I think the Hobbit has a level of cynicism mm. and marketeering yep. that is.
1: Unbefitting of Lord of the Rings in a weird way. It, it doesn't feel like the passion project that Lord of the Rings was exactly.
0: Um, Lord of the Rings feels like a lot of people who really wanted to make these movies. You know, everybody just put and so much into Hobbit it. The Hobbit
1: feels like they all wanted to get back together again for a reunion. Kind of. I think it's also. I don't know.
0: I. They invented a lot of interesting s- computer graphic stuff for the Lord of the Rings. Mm um what they did i mean it wasn't the first movie to use motion capture but it was the first one to use it well the first one to get it right um and it wasn't uh, they invented this this thing called epic that made each individual soldier epic yeah <laughs> in the in the commentary that's what they call it um new zealanders yeah and it makes all of the individual orcs or people in a battle move independently yeah so that it looks like a real battle and all this mm. stuff that they invented for Lord of the Rings. And I think they kind of wanted to show what they could do in yeah, The Hobbit. how
1: it had evolved from where they were at the end of that Yeah, movie.
0: but I think that made them overuse it. I don't know if it's necessarily a cynical, although it's probably a, a, a cash saving measure as well to do it all computer graphics. Mm. I think it's also that they went, well, look what we can do, but
1: there's certain things you shouldn't do
0: like yeah. making billy uh,
1: Connolly's face cg matt or why not? rivendell just... was so much more beautiful than cg rivendell
0: but also why not just put makeup on manu bennett and let him act mm. why did he have to do motion capture you know like it's yeah. not a put a blue thing over his arms he doesn't have to have arms like you just green out or green screen out his arms and mm. insert the other things afterwards like there's no reason to make him an entirely cg character and it distances you from him yeah and manu bennett does a good job he should you know, you, you should acknowledge that. Mm. Um, With Gollum, you have to make him CG. Yeah. Gollum is not something that people can put on makeup and go, yeah, that's Gollum. Like, mm-hmm. it's not going to work. But you don't have to make an orc CG. We were scared of the orcs in The Lord of the Rings because they were dudes in makeup who were crazy.
1: Mm.
0: You know, putting makeup on people works.
1: Yeah. like, And they've got really good makeup and hair talent.
0: I and mean, Manu Bennett's a big guy. Yeah. He can easily threaten people.
1: Even Richard Armitage, who's six foot two or something.
0: Well, yeah, but he's a dwarf, so yeah, they'd so have to make yeah, him smaller he anyway. Smaller anyway, yeah. Then they managed that perfectly well on Lord of the Rings with very little CG and lots
1: yep. and lots of walking around on people's knees. Yeah. <laughs> and um, there were and Ian McKellen had a guy his stunt double, Tall Paul. Yeah, seven foot tall. <laughs> That's Tall Paul.
0: Um, <laughs> um, I told Claire about that when we were watching it. I was like, whenever they stand next to somebody, it's probably Tall Paul. Um. And, and you know, they'd have tables that when they shot that that moving scene with um oh with Gandalf with and- Gandalf and Frodo yeah, yeah. and then the tables got two different heights, yeah. yeah, and this camera moved, so the tables had to move mm. and they Jerry rigged the tables
1: to move around, come mm. on. Do that stuff. Yeah, practical effects. Do practical effects. So yeah, it's it's funny because Lord of the Rings is considered really important as a groundbreaker in CGI, but it's actually a groundbreaker in practical effects. It, it was reliant on practical effects.
0: Well, I think no, I in think lot it lot was ways. reliant on a really, really organic meld of everything, mm. like good. Performances and good behind the scenes people, practical effects and computer graphics yep. worked together. Like, you don't have a, a I don't know, you don't s- stick a cast, a fake CG castle on top of a real mountain. You build the castle on the mountain, but then you put in like some CG you know, characters or whatever to make it look real or something like that, like uh, to make it look lived in or something like that. Yep. And then you put the map, like the Rivendell thing where it's mm. this little bit of set with, with Elijah Wood on it and then it's a little bit of CG so that there's movement and and, and, and it looks 3D painting. and then a map painting behind them. Mm. Yep. Like that's how you do it. That's, that's, that's good and the Hobbit movie's kind of lost sight of that and it's not fair. Yep. And... As much as I would like to, you know, I like a lot of people who are in The Hobbit, and I think they did a good job, but there isn't that kind of spirit of camaraderie either. Like, there's not that kind of closeness with the cast. So, when they get back together, you're like, oh, they're back together, whatever. Mm. Um, You don't really kind of go, yay. Well, you don't really feel the relationships between them either. Some of them. I think Bilbo Bilbo and Thorin work. And...
1: Yeah, there's there's a few of them that kind of work. For the brief p- period they're together, Thranduil and Legolas work well together, Work the relationship. I actually I think.
0: think the elves kind of work well together, mm-hmm. and I think that's because the uh, the three of them did kind of form a bond, and lots of the cute, funny stuff that happens behind the scene is actually those three, mm. for some reason. Um, <laughs> like, why those three? I don't know, but it does seem like uh, mm-hmm. uh, those three kind of worked well together. Yeah. Also, Andy Serkis is the second unit director on all of the Hobbit movies, mm-hmm. which makes me happy.
1: That's nice. Okay. Um, I don't know what else I want to say. I've talked too much, so you can No, it's go. all right. We, we can rate it. Although I just have to tell you about something that made me really mad. The other day there was an article about some of the second unit directors on Lord of the Rings, and it was all men. And I was like, you didn't even mention Fran Walsh or, or Carolyn Cunningham. Cunningham? I was so mad. I was just like, you idiots. I mentioned Andy Serkis, but, uh, who was obviously really good. He did, apparently did a lot of the helicopter stuff, um, yeah. a lot of the big – the um mountains and things um the location scout for the
0: movies just died too oh the main location scout john Comer or something bob oh, Comer. that's no good Comer, something like that yeah um, um he was 80 right something
1: yeah and he died recently wow but yeah like that oh god who, who that talk about a new zealand tourism ad well that's why i did go to new zealand in 2009 and i visited lord of the Rings sets and that's what i did
0: I think Lord of the Rings works better as a New Zealand tourism ad than The Hobbit does as well. Oh,
1: I didn't I th- even notice that The Hobbit was in New Zealand. There's one scene
0: in the first one mm. where um, Gandalf and the dwarves and Bilbo were running through a really rocky kind of area that kind of looks like Edoras, mm. and that was clearly all natural. <laughs> that was the only time I felt like I was in Middle-earth. Mm. They They enhanced... Even the places that were real, like the, the Shire, Hobbiton, yeah. was so enhanced that it didn't look real. Yeah. Like, we know that you built this. Why would you Why would you do make it look fake? I, I, I find Hobbiton hard to look real anymore anyway because it went there. Yeah, but, but you went there when it wasn't done up. Yeah. So, when it was actually done up, it looks a lot, lot more like what we
1: saw, at least what we saw in Lord yeah. of the Rings, the which Lord of the is Rings a lot one, and more it's, toned it's, down. Yeah, yeah. It is. It's way toned down. I agree and and it was much more much much more like a real village yeah. as opposed to yeah the way it was in the hobbit
0: yeah i mean that i think that's generally the takeaway message here is mm. that we loved lord of the rings because it felt like Middle Earth was a real place that we could go to. Yeah. And the Hobbit doesn't feel like it's a real place that you can go to at all. Mm. It doesn't feel – and that's – I mean, that's part of why none of the characters really connect and you don't really feel anything when they die and or when they're in danger. Like, you know that characters in Lord of the Rings aren't going to die and yet you feel really, really nervous for them. Like, the she scene with Frodo is, is terrifying, you know. Mm. It's creepy as anything. And mm-hmm. yet the spiders scene in, in The Hobbit doesn't do anything. So – Apart from this great Bilbo character moment where he stabs the spider to death t- mm. and then he sees the ring and he's like, oh, my God, what did I do? Mm. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah,
1: that was. Um, oh, All right, let's wrap this one up then. So okay. We could talk for hours. Yeah, um, we really could, especially about Lord of the Rings. I could talk forever. Mm, um, I'm giving it three. What are you giving it? I, I originally
0: gave it three. I'm going to drop it down to two and a half stars because I don't think
1: it deserves three. It's not a real story. I, I think my three is also for the whole lot of the movies as much yeah. as anything. But, um yeah, fair enough.
0: Okay. So, thank you for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like to get in contact with us, you can do that. Um, we're on Twitter at screen underscore queens. You can find us on Facebook if you look for Silver Screen Queens. Um, we are at silverscreenqueens.com and we have a Tumblr, which is tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com. Um, and if you would like to read my review of The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies, or any of the other movies that I watch, you can go to silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. That's One queen, not the both of us. Okay. Thank you very much for listening. Bye. Bye.